The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast lore behind the Mass Effect games. Welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. I almost didn't unmute myself. Also, it, I noticed today, Sam, that it's a little bit weird for me to say Spectres. Welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast when we're talking about Saren on this episode. Who is and or was rather, you know, one of the worst Spectres. But yeah. Right. I don't know that I'm welcoming him back to the show, but everybody else is welcome. Uh, welcome. Welcome back, Sam. I'm Tom. This is Sam. This is what we do. We talk about Mass Effect. And I'm excited because we're getting into some things about Saren that I was not aware of. So I'm imagining there's other people out there who are not aware of both Saren and his forgotten brother and details around yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, of course, Saren's one of the most important characters in the trilogy, and he's a villain, right? But we're, we're talking about um, his, his little-known brother as well that a lot of people don't know uh, about. He's a Turian, of course. His name's Desilus. Uh, I think their significance, both, uh, both of them, it outstrips their on-screen time because Saren is only in one of the games. Desilus isn't in any of the games. So these... We're going to be pulling a lot of details from the comics and one of the Mass Effect novels. Uh, so if you haven't read those, then buckle up because this is probably all going to be new to you. Desolus, like desolate, like, oof, that sounds dark. Yeah, I, I feel like it was, yeah, play on words like yeah. desolate. It's a good thing I'm not a writer for one of these games because I would have like Saren and his brother Wally. Or something like that. And everyone would be like, Glorbo. <laughs> Glorbo. <laughs> Snorpdrog. Snorpdrog? Really? <laughs> All right. So this is normally where we start out, right? We, we dig into the background and the stuff that goes on before the game. So what do we know about all that? Right. You know, um, so... 
Saren's background starts much before we meet him in Mass Effect 1, right? We know he was born in 2139 to apparently a military family. He has the brother Desilus. Like I said, Desilus is a general, and he appears in the Mass Effect Evolution comic. We don't know a ton about Saren's family apart from that. Um, just like every other Turian, though, we know that Saren enlisted into military service at just 15 years old. It's presumable then that his brother did as well, if his brother is a general. Uh, and Saren quickly rose through the ranks after that. He eventually becomes a specter because he's extremely proficient in what he does. Never mind the fact that he he's doing those things uh, at any cost necessary. In fact, if anything, that fits into the mold of the very first specter they recruited. Um, but he eventually becomes a specter. And if you're doing the math, you know, born in 2139, enlists at 15, that means he was about 18 years old in the Turian military when the first contact war against the Systems Alliance erupted. Wait, so is this why he hates humans? Is this like the flip side of a lot of what we see with the human characters and why they hate Turians, but we're seeing it now from his perspective? A little bit, but also not really. <laughs> so, okay. All right. <laughs> so, well, that, and that right there, that is exactly the question that we're going to get into for pretty much the rest of this episode. It all goes back to the foreign, uh, the, there was a, there was a human ambassador to the council named Anita Goyle. This is someone who, if you don't recognize her name, don't feel bad because she wasn't in the games. Um, she's mentioned, I think, in Andromeda slightly, but she did. She's never alive during the games because, or, or she's not at least present. Her primary presence is from the book Mass Effect Revelation, and she has a. Um, she is to Anderson what Udina was to Shepard. So Anita Goyle is the ambassador and she talks to Anderson a lot. She tells Anderson, Saren just hates humans because he lost his brother Desilus in the war, in the first contact war. Okay. And that feels like a simple enough hand wavy justification, right? To say like, oh, well, of course he hates humans, right? He lost someone that he loved and now he's become this villain. But we later find out that that's not really true. And this is also an interesting kind of situation because Mass Effect Revelation released slightly before Mass Effect 1 did. Yeah, it was if I if I remember the, the releases of the books correctly. I mean, I, and that tracks with my memory, but if somebody because wants to it's supposed on to be that, a companion yeah. novel, right? It's, it's, it's just leading right into the beginning of Mass Effect 1. So Mass Effect Revelation releases before Mass Effect 1 does. And then the comics release later. The comics are what disproves Anita Goyle's claim that Saren only hates humans because he lost his brother in the war. It's only it's a half truth because his death is shown in the comics. Desilus does die in the comics, along with a, a lot of great background about Saren's villain origin story. But it's not really during the war. Hmm. OK, so I, so let's get into the origin story. Like which comic are we starting with here? Right. Mass Effect Evolution. I don't know if we've ever gone too much into it at length, but this is also the same comic where we see the elusive man's origin story. So this is really cool. This entire comic is a massive crossroads of all of these different important characters who are like older, you know, by the time we meet them and that mm -hmm. right like you get it. It's a prequel, basically. And you get to see where all of these important people were before they rose to such prominence. And uh, Saren, not the least of which. So this starts, the story starts on the human colony of Shanxi. 
but it, and it's during the first contact war. And specifically, this is during the time where the Turians are kicking the humans' ass. And the Turians are occupying, you know, streets. They're blowing up entire blocks just to wipe out, you know, single Marine teams. And there's just a ton of, there's Turians on the ground side as well. Well, we see this group of people, uh, humans, three of them, Jack Harper and his companions, Eva Corre and Ben Hislop. They're mercenaries and they're kind of acting as this resistance force because they're not official alliance personnel, but they are fighting the Turians. If the name Jack Harper sounds familiar, that's because that is the elusive man. That's yeah, his name. That's Tim. <laughs> that's, that's Tim. That's Tim before he was Tim. <laughs> oh, they are fighting some some Turians in the beginning of this story and they capture a prisoner. Well, We'll go into more detail about what exactly the Turians were doing there on Shanxi, um, maybe in an episode specifically dedica dedicated to the comic, or if it comes up in this part, we will, but I, I want to focus on Saren and Desilus. So it turns out that the prisoner that, that the elusive man and his companions take is Saren's brother, Desilus. And as we noted, Desilus is a general, so this is kind of a high-profile prisoner they've all of a sudden captured. And it quickly turns out that Desilus is equally, if not more, racist against humans than Saren is. <laughs> so it runs in the family. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Saren takes after this, like, very honestly. Desilus is a horribly speciest, speci speciest? 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 Yeah, they're different species. Yeah, they're not... Speciest. Yeah. I mean, I guess, well, race, they're different races. They're both. Xenophobic. Xeno there you go. There, yes. Yes. So Desilus is a horribly xenophobic person. And I feel like this fandom a lot in Mass Effect gives xenophobia a pass if it's the aliens doing it to us. <laughs> right. But if it's right. the humans doing it, they're like, that's terrible. Stop right. doing that. Right. Ashley space racist. Ashley big bad. Yeah. It's the culture. <laughs> it's the cultural thing where you can poo poo on the majority group, but all the minority groups you have to give a pass to. I mean, this happens in our own Which culture is a lot as well. Yeah. But that's funny because humans are the minority group. <laughs> right, 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 right. But from our perspective, we're we're always the majority because we're the humans. Yeah, I, I get it. Right. Because yeah. we're always around humans. Um, anyway, that's my soapbox about that. But Desilus <laughs> is terribly xenophobic. Um, so they tr then this group of human mercenaries, including the elusive man, they try something clever using the general's own comms device to track back to his own crew. But... They find that the general was there on the planet because, and this is a massive spoiler alert for the comic, if you don't want to hear this, skip forward about 30 seconds. The general was there because of an artifact called the Arkham Monolith, and we can go into more of it later, but it is Reaper tech, and it indoctrinates people. So the general was there because he got word of this artifact, and they were trying to recover it for themselves. Anyway, Ben Hislop, one of the elusive man's companions, at the very beginning, he ends up touching the artifact and he dies. Quote, another, quote. another hand touches the beacon. Oh, wait, that's a different An that's a different game series. Another hand. <laughs> I should have a sound effect. Over. Another hand touches the beacon. God, that plays <laughs> everywhere. Anyway, Ben dies. Uh -huh. Ben, quote unquote, dies because he doesn't really die, but he touches the artifact. And then Jack kind of tr gets in contact with the magic, the space magic of the artifact, because he, I think he was trying to save Ben. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't die. He's kind of knocked out, but he has this vision. And then he gets these, like, kind of advanced powers. But he doesn't, 
He's not completely zombified and husk-like like Ben becomes. Like we saw in so many of the games whenever someone, you know, uh, was just made into a direct husk from the Reapers. That's what Ben yeah, looks like. Right. And he's not even talking English anymore. Huh. But, but Jack and, is fine. I mean, clearly later on fine. he's fine too, but like, yeah. Yes, because Jack had this kind of indirect contact. So I think that's kind of what saved him there. Uh, and ultimately, you know, it's Jack and Eva who get captured. So it's a flip-flop situation. You know, they just captured Saren's brother. Now mm. they're the ones getting captured because Ben died and Jack got knocked out by the artifact. And then Saren is assigned to oversee them. Mm. So Saren is acting as like prison warden and right-hand man for his brother. I'm sure he's going to be super nice to them, especially now that his brother's captured. It's kind of weird watching Saren as like not the head honcho. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, what, and, what happens? And, and he's just as ambitious. Yeah. So what happens next? So they, Saren and Desilus both bring Jack and Eva to Arcturus Station for a prisoner of war exchange with the Alliance. And then they hand them over to none other than General Williams, which is Ashley's grandfather. So we've got Ashley's grandfather, <laughs> we've got Saren, we've got the elusive man, we've got Saren's brother. You know, there's so many characters in this who have such a huge significance to the entire story of Mass Effect, and yet it's this one comic that a lot of people haven't read. Yeah, we've joked about this before, how it's like so convenient that these people that we know about later all ended up in the same place at the same time when there's so many people out in the universe doing all sorts of things or even in that conflict being in different places, you know. But of course, it yes. works fun. It's fun for the stories to be like, oh, that character is related to this person. That's how we know them. Yeah, all of that. Right. Yeah. I mean, it just makes everyone kind of more heroic, right? Mm -hmm. uh, more like legend. Well, we have a, a, a screenshot from one of the um, panels of this comic here. And so during this prisoner exchange, uh, I'll just kind of describe this photo. So you see Eva tackling Desilus and she's calling him a bastard and she's pissed off at Saren's brother because she's claiming that he just let Ben die. Uh, that they didn't try to help Ben after he touched the artifact. And that's kind of true, but why would they, you know? Um, and Saren steps in and he just kind of picks her up by the, the collar of the shirt and uh, drags her off of his brother. And then Desilus tells Saren to be careful because humans are fragile, even though they bark like Varen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so some uh -huh. some light equivocating human beings to animals there. Um, yeah, I mean, and it was, xenophobic, racist. Like, this is one of those, you know, like, yeah. That's yeah, how that goes. And I don't know. I, this is my personal opinion. Just from that, that panel that Saren was so on it to kind of drag her off of his brother that you get we get this idea that Saren's protective of his family. He's protective of his brother despite the fact that his brother had like bodyguards right there. Yeah. Well, yeah. That makes sense though. Like, and, and Saren is not one to hesitate to act. I would imagine like, right. He so, doesn't care. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. and I think that's why Desilus actually said, Hey, be careful because Desilus knows that Saren may get a little carried away and mm -hmm. just kill someone. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting, but we'll also go into a little bit later why those bodyguards did nothing, because, again, they're not normal bodyguards, but we'll get into it later. So this prison, this prisoner exchange happens. Right. 
and then Saren and his brother take the artifact <clears throat> back to the Turian homeworld of Palavin, because they're under this impression that it can advance Turian evolution somehow, making them upgraded with this kind of zombified cyber strength that we saw in the husks. Just think of like husks, but Turians. That sounds and like it's going to work out great. Right. It's not quite like Marauder Shields from Mass Effect 3. They look a little, little less altered than that, but their intelligence is still gone and they still have that super strength. And um, so and that happened to their initial researchers who found this Arca monolith. So they're trying to take this artifact back to Palavin to find a way to control the super strong zombified Turians. Right. So, OK, so they take the this artifact this Reaper artifact back to Palavin? Yes. Then, then what happens then? Uh, you know, if this sounds familiar to anyone, Reaper tech control, you know, we can totally harness this. It's because it did happen with a number of other races. Number one, we knew what happened with the Batarians. They tried to conceal their discovery of the Leviathan of Dis. It didn't work out for them. There's strong implications there that the Reapers were actually able to indoctrinate the highest echelons of Batarian government. And that's why they became such a fascist autocracy over there, uh, trying to constantly wage war against different races. But um, there's a lot of fascist themes in what Desilus then does what the, with the artifact. So Jack, so Jack and Eva keep pursuing this artifact, right? Because they're free now, but they also, like Jack has been changed. Like his eyes are now what we remember the elusive man's eyes look like. So this is the, the, this is the origin story for why he has the weird eyes. Yes. I always assumed and that they were some sort of implants, like they were an intentional thing. But it's actually because he came in close or at least almost contact with this artifact. Indirect contact. Indirect contact. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and it's uh, it's kind of weird because in the comics, the eyes like they're, they're there in one panel and then the next one they're gone. And like it, it's almost like they're situationally activated huh. in the in the comics. Huh. I wonder if he but can like like make it happen. And so later on, he just keeps it on all the time. Maybe. I'm not sure. It's not really directly addressed in the comic, at oh. least not that I saw. Um, so so Jack and Eva keep pursuing this artifact and, and Saren and Desilus are quite aware of that. So Saren is tasked with hunting them down. And so now you have one villain in the Mass Effect trilogy chasing the other villain in the Mass Effect it's it's just an amazing <laughs> right, arc, right. right and another capture they're in the same situation so we've been here before <laughs> like okay right yeah and the reader as me as the reader I'm just thinking like do I really give a shit who wins here like <laughs> <laughs> they can kill each other for all I care but I know that's not I'd, gonna happen yeah right I'd prefer you both lose um so Saren does kind of win here he hunts them down and then he captures them again mm-hmm um, and we have another pick. Uh, it's a we're showing it on the live stream here. It's one of the panels from. Yeah. And just a reminder, the, uh, if you're listening uh, on the on the audio version, you want to see these. You missed the live stream. These go up on the Mass Effect Lorecast YouTube channel. So you can always check them out over there. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then you can see our beautiful faces and you can see my beard that I desperately need to shave. <laughs> no, it looks good, man. I'm speaking as a guy who regularly doesn't also shave his own face. But anyway, well, so thank you. what I do we that. what do we see in the panel? So Saren and Desilus want to know why Jack, a.k.a. the elusive man, was not completely zombified, but he still kind of retains some knowledge from it. So they keep him around and they take him and Eva to, to Palavin. And then by doing so, Jack and Eva 
become the first human beings to ever set foot on the Turian homeworld, which is really cool. Um, and, and just a side note here, I really love the way that the writers describe uh, the setting of Palavin when they're being taken there. And we have a panel that shows a picture of it, but I, I really want to bring it up just for the narrative description of how it looks. Uh, Tom, you want to read it? the panel so it says yeah yeah in war timing is everything weeks earlier the alliance would indeed have given everything to have agents visit palavin homeworld of the turians their one-time enemies they would have seen a radiation scarred planet turned civilized a world beaten into submission by an even more rugged people themselves evolving to survive and thrive there they are a people who value tradition and honor and while i almost did it without cracking up and while a general returning from a stalemate might not normally expect a hero's welcome yeah and then that's kind of how we go into it because he does get a hero's welcome even though the turians kind of did just lose that war humanity had just taken back Shanxi. And then the council stepped in and said, nope, we got to declare a peace treaty. So the Turians got pushed off and that was the last word. Mm -hmm. And so now Desilus, who's this general who got captured and then freed ultimately, but captured and then his side lost, he's going back to the home world. And, and so he, he exit the, he, he lands on Palavin. He exits this ship. There's a crowd waiting and his, he's with his bodyguards that I mentioned earlier, who are really just zombified, indoctrinated, advanced Turians in robes. And he does this masterful job at rallying the crowd, despite the fact that, again, he's really coming off of a terrible loss. But when have facts ever stood in the way of a malignant narcissist? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's a great quote. <laughs> wow, that's true. Um, that's very true. And, and this is a very powerful scene in this comic because he's coming out of the he's coming out of the ship. He's addressing this crowd and he's saying he's the first general to address them since the council brokered peace in the first contact war. So already there's this slim, like very, very sly, indirect implication that it's really the council's fault mm -hmm. because they brokered peace. Mm -hmm. And then he also admits that he knows that it's shameful in Turian culture to admit defeat. OK, half truth here. Right. And then he mixes in the half lie. And then he finally just says, but that's because I'm not shameful because I'm not admitting defeat. Instead, I am introducing a path forward for Turians. And it's this path that's draped in the mythology of their own past. Sounds inspirational. Okay, where are you going? Where are you going with this? So he introduces the indoctrinated Turians he has as bodyguards as something called, quote, Voluvian priests. Right, because zombie soldiers, it, it doesn't sound as good. Well, their faces are kind of obscured behind the shadow of the cloaks, right? So yeah. you can't really see their faces, but they do look mysterious and and you can clearly tell they're a little bit changed. Um, and he he calls them Voluvian priests. This is a noun that would hold a lot of weight if you are a Turian on Paladin, because this is this is something of an ancient myth. It's like, you know, Achilles or Ajax, but they weren't necessarily looked up to like that they were mm -hmm. just kind of revered mm. um and he he refers to them he, he says quote dressed as you remember them from the legends for centuries no one has been worthy enough to wear 
these robes. He says these are warriors returning from the battlefield whose, quote, faith and, quote, fighting spirit has transformed them, and that they then chose him to help them achieve their mission, their holy quest. Only this whole I, thing reeks of fascism. Only I could have brought this wonderful thing to you. It was all because of me, and without me, you would all be lost. Yeah, this absolutely. Yeah, th- this whole thing reeks of fascism. I mean, okay, so here's I'm gonna, I'm gonna paint a picture, right? So you got Saren standing next to his brother, right hand man very hard military presence mixed with religious presence of these Voluvian priests in robes. And Desilus and Saren are flanked by this entourage of them. And then they try to carry the artifact to a sanctified ancient Turian temple of legend. And the crowd is following them. And it's like this dictator's political show of force of like, I'm going to march across Actually, it's like I'm going to march across. uh, What was it? St. Someone Square, June 1st, uh, 2020. Oh, Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Um, Uh, There was a certain wannabe dictator in the United States who did this and gassed people off the steps of a church in the process. (laughs) Yeah, this is a mix of politics, military and religion all together in order to just pull power for himself. All of the topics that we were told are impolite conversation. This, <laughs> this <laughs> right. is about the things that I try to avoid talking about when family comes over for holidays. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Funny how that works. Um, OK, so I, yeah. I mean, this is uh, OK from let's put put aside the whole like clearly this is a warning sign. This is fascism writ large. This is, you know, the consolidation of power under one man or Turian in this case uh, from his perspective. Highly effective. Yes, very, very effective. He's like I said, he was masterful at rallying this crowd. He wasn't getting pushback from them. They were actually kind of marveling at him and uh, following him, you know, lockstep to this temple because I think they were hooked. They were waiting to see what was next. Right. 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 And they're they're in desperate need of some some solution. They need somebody to swoop in and solve their problems for them. Maybe they need to tie it to their ancestry, the mythology and religion of their people. Uh, They need somebody in a place of power. He's a general like all of these things add up to, oh, he's the right guy at the right time. And and right. And I'm I'm not going to preach. It's just like, how many times do we get these things in stories like this? And then when they happen in reality, so many people are just like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. (laughs) It's like we get warnings in literature all the time about how this works. It's it's because people read history as if it's fiction. Right. You know what I mean? They read history thinking, well, that can never happen now. Right. Well, it's not the same because my my beliefs are different from the past. Those past beliefs are fake and mine are real or whatever. Yeah. And I think. I think that's actually like completely relevant to Mass Effect because I think Turians had also deluded themselves into thinking that they were smarter, more advanced than the ancient Turians who built that temple. Right. And that's something that we'll get into a little bit later. But for now, it looks like Desilus's coup is going perfectly according to plan. Right. Yeah. That's another element. The whole like, well, we're smarter than our ancestors were. We're better than them. We can't fail. You know, that whole thing while still being desperate for a solution all at the same time and aware of your own vulnerability. It's uh, such a weird mix of stuff. Anyway, hey, it's time to go talk to uh, talk about our patrons and do our mid break. So let's go do that. And we'll be right back. Talk about all these wonderful, happy things. Here we go. 
Alright, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So, if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs. Phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash Mass Effect, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash Mass Effect. expressvpn.com slash Mass Effect to learn more. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this lorecast is mine. I like the sound of that. All right, we've got a new patron this week. Welcome to Coltrin, Coltrin, Colton. I can't talk. Colton B. Welcome to the Patreon. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to all of our patrons. In fact, thank you to all of our patrons, including our shepherd tier patrons, Colkishins, Edboy, Kirasi, and Lieutenant Ticino. Thank you so much for your support. And to all 62 of our current patrons, thank you for being here. If you're interested in checking out all the different things you can get by helping to support us, if this show is helping you get through your workday, your commutes, things like that, head over to patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast. Check out all the different tiers, the t-shirts, the stickers, the ad-free episodes, joining us on our patron chats, all the stuff that you can get, and see if there's something you'd like to do to help support us. Uh, also, we've got a new review that came in. If you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, of course, we're going to read it out on a future episode of the show. Actually, you know what? I'm I'm wrong. I don't. I think we've already covered these. So we don't actually have a new review. Uh, 
I misremembered. <laughs> but if you'd like to leave a review, we'll read it out on the future episodes. And you can also rate the show on Spotify or whatever other platforms that you listen to the show on. Or, you know, send us nice comments on the YouTube videos. That would be wonderful as well. All right. Thanks for your support, everybody. Let's move on with the rest of the show. Spit it out. Or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right, so this sounds like a uh, kind of a masterful stroke on Desilus's side, but how does this work out? Where does this go? Well, the temple, the temple has been closed and sealed off, but and revered for a long, long time. And Desilus aims to open it once again. So he's draping himself in these themes of mythology in the past, but also bucking trends and saying, "I'm going to shatter." the the you know rules and inhibitions of the past and this is pretty compelling right um to anyone who doesn't know what he's doing i think i think the elusive man actually to his credit jack sees through this and he says you know he's rallying the crowd and well saren is also meanwhile acting as desil desilus's lieutenant ordering all of these indoctrinated turians to carry the artifact inside but there's one problem they won't they won't huh. do it. Okay. And then slowly they that Saren and Desilus, they start realizing that these mutated Turians, they don't follow them. They follow the artifact. Ah. Uh, and it just so happened uh, that Desilus was carrying the artifact around everywhere. Right. Okay. So he thought he was in control of them, but in actuality he wasn't. No, he's not. And yet again, another theme in Mass Effect where it's a fight for control, when in reality you're never going to win that fight. Mm -hmm. with the reapers yeah uh, they will always hold control and so after holding jack aka the elusive man captive for a long time desilus reveals his master plan he says that he plans to bring turians to the artifact so intentionally so that they will be turned into these zombified super strong mutant indoctrinated turians and he's hoping some of them end up partially conscious and cognizant like jack like mm -hmm. the elusive man did right like if this because happened to you then useful. we can still utilize that part of it but he's willing to yes. risk so many lives who don't turn out that way being zombified and doesn't even understand the future potential danger of all of those zombified turians who are now indoctrinated by the reapers well i think he he sees it as a win-win because his hopes for creating another being like Jack kind of die off. And it looks like De Desilus is settling, but in reality, he's just rearranging his goals. Now he's thinking about making an army of these zombified mutants so that he can rule the galaxy effectively. Again, thinking that he can control them just by carrying the artifact around. <laughs> and he's thinking, if I just bring the artifact physically with me, even if they're really just following the artifact, they'll defend the artifact and my enemies will undoubtedly try to attack it. Huh. So he's thinking he can manipulate battles, basically. Like dogs with a bone. It's just like, as right. long as I keep carrying this bone, the dogs are going to stay with me. Yeah. So so he decides that he's going to lure crowds of Turians there, promising them advancement into the new kind of Mediterranean race. And Desilus says... Quote, the time for equality of races in the Citadel is past. The Turian destiny is at hand, and tonight it begins. Dun, dun, dun. Wouldn't right, this have been right. crazy if, like, he was the big bad that we had to deal with in Mass Effect 1 because he succeeded at this stuff? 
totally yeah, different right. game. Totally different. Totally different game. This ain't your grandfather's Turian hierarchy. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is Desilus's Turian hierarchy now. Um, you know, a line of so the next panel is a line of Turians being marched into the temple while he says this, and meanwhile Jack Harper is trying to stop him from carrying through with this terrible plan, which is amazing, right? That the elusive man would be acting on the good side, actually. <laughs> right. And he's realized part of the artifact's nature. The elusive man has. But Saren is going full hand in hand with this weird kind of coup d'etat that his brother is launching. And Jack pleads with Saren to stop before it's too late. And so we have this other panel up here from the comic. And in this scene, it's a pretty important one because Saren has this internal monologue going on. And it starts with him saying, for some, being the brother of a famous general like Desilus might be a path to career success. And basically it goes over, he's, tr he's plagued by trying to reconcile two thoughts. One, that he's fully capable and earned his own spot working for his general brother on his own. And number two, that this situation is the first one he's encountered that he thinks that, that's out of his control. And that he's in this predicament because he went to work for his brother. So hmm. family, tradition, honor, self-reliance, all of these things are kind of at odds because he can't accept the fact that he has been duped. And he's been walking into this blind, following his brother into a situation that is going to go out of their hands. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so it's like he's starting to wake up. He's starting to realize the mess. A little bit. The mess of everything. But he's not giving up on his brother. He goes to his brother, Desilus, and he tries getting him to realize that there is no controlling these indoctrinated Turians. It's, it's, it's going to backfire. Mm -hmm. But Desilus won't listen. Desilus is convinced he can manipulate them enough to overthrow the, quote, sniveling civilian leaders of Palavin. And then, quote, all of our rivals. Right. Because any great, wonderful fascist dictator clearly thinks everyone else is below them. So. Yep. And yeah, they're always proven right. Right. <laughs> Cowards usually take the easy way out. But go on. <laughs> Saren uh, goes to check up on Jack eventually after talking with Desilus. And Jack has been hauled over to be locked back up with Eva. But then the two talk. And they start getting to talk. They're under the temple, it looks like. They're underneath it. And they're close to where these indoctrinated Turians have been on their own accord, burrowing into the stone underneath the temple. So that's kind of where Jack and Saren are talking. And then the Turian, the, these ancient, or the, uh, the uh, indoctrinated Turian, they're, they're burrowing and they break through these ancient walls. And the walls are inscribed with some of the same ancient Turian language that no one, not even Desilus, can read. But Jack can somehow understand it. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So the elusive man can somehow read these, and it's revealed that it's because he was indoctrinated by that artifact back yeah. on Shanxi. Yeah. Yeah, he got like, and a, then you're a, like brain, well, a brain dump of this stuff that he now can understand. Right. Well, and then you start wondering, well, how can he read this stuff from an artifact on Shanxi if now they're on Palavin and they're in a temple that's very old? Right. Maybe it's very, very, very old, right? Like, 
It is. That's where this is going. And yeah. It is. It is very, very old. And Jack tells Saren that these walls are a story and they're instructions for not for you. They're for the indoctrinated Turians. And because he says that basically they've played Desolus. They wanted the artifact brought here. Uh-huh. They, they wanted this all along, and Desolus thought he was controlling them. And then it's revealed that underneath this temple is another hidden artifact. Yeah. So, so it's, it's all, it all ties back to the Reapers and the things that they've planted and, and left. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so basically, this is a weird part, right? Because this is, we learn in the Mass Effect series that there's an extinction cycle every 50,000 years. And roughly that the Reapers only target spacefaring races at the, at the apex of their evolution. Right. So how would any of the previous Turians have been around and been the target of Reapers ire in a previous cycle? You know what I mean? Then how would, mm -hmm. then how would Turians be around in this cycle too? But I'll suspend my disbelief because here's what the elusive man tells Saren. Your people discovered this temple a long time ago. And then he explains that back then, the artifact also made super strong indoctrinated Turians. The only difference was those same Turians, the ancient Turians referred to as Voluvian priests. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's not just a legend. It really did happen. But the priests were clearly evil and demented and they weren't these these characters to be revered in legend. Yeah, that's why the ancients the sealed off. That's why they sealed off this temple. Right. Right. Not because it was holy, but because it was terrible. <laughs> yes. Because it was unholy and <laughs> was because unholy. they needed to. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, yeah. You, know, I, I, you get into the whole, like, well, why would the Reapers have been there if they were not one of the groups they were calling? Maybe they were making preparations. Maybe they saw that in the next cycle they would be. And so they planted some things ahead of time because they're like, well, they're not quite there yet. But give them another 50,000 years and they're going to be there. Um, you might get maybe that's a kind of hand wavy explanation. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't really ever go into how old the temple is exactly. That could give us the answer right off the bat. Um, it's possible the temple is, you know, younger than 50,000 years. Yeah. Well, it's, even in our possible. own world, buildings don't really last 50,000 years very well. Even even ones made out of stone after 50,000 years, they they fall apart. I mean, just look at the uh, the Egyptian pyramids, for example like three, 4,000 year old structures. Now multiply that by 10, how much of that structure remains? I mean, I'm sure a big portion of it, but given time, those things eventually could just look like big hills. <laughs> I mean, it would probably also depend on um, Palavin's atmosphere too, but, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of remarkable that it is still standing. So maybe yeah. you're right. Maybe it is more like three, 4,000 years ago, the Reapers left behind these artifacts to make the next cycle easier, that kind of thing. Maybe. Um, yeah. but regardless, it had been sealed off for quite a long time, a long, long enough to become part of myth. So Saren and Jack, AKA Tim start questioning why, what's the whole point of, of advancing a species physically, but sacrificing all intelligence? Because you have to keep in mind at this time, this is 2157 uh, that this is happening. Yeah. No one really knows or takes the, the, the whole, the idea of reapers seriously. Like it hasn't been popularized. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And anybody who even says anything about it, just, it's like, whatever they, they don't pay attention. I mean, it's, uh, um, Shepard's whole, dilemma 
right? Is the yes. whole like he comes across stuff and nobody takes him seriously. Right. Liara knows about it because she's a bookworm and because she studied the Protheans and it's relevant to a theory of their demise. But, you know, when Jack has a vision from the artifact, I'm not sure that he quite understands that these are the Reapers. He just understands it's a threat. Yeah. And then Ben Hislop, the one who I said, quote unquote, died, became a zombified husk. Yeah. Well, he didn't really die. He had become a zombified husk but somehow has retained enough of his humanity that he chimes in verbally, of course, mm -hmm. right? And says, why? Because it wants us that way. It wants us physically strong, but no intelligence. Saying, and Ben says, quote, it knows. They know about humanity now because of me. Dun, dun, dun. Is that huge? Does that actually revelation. does that actually track? Is there no other way they would have known about humanity? No, they, they there's other evidence that they knew about humanity. But it is interesting that they're pointing to this in this comic, yeah. which was written by Mac Walters, not like some third party writer. This is a Mass Effect writer who wrote this comic. And at least Ben is under the impression that the Reapers definitely know about humanity and roughly how advanced they are circa first contact war because Ben touched the artifact. Right. But there's also evidence like in Mass Effect 1, there was a text-based RPG kind of series of messages where you found evidence of, of species, uh, spacefaring species, monitoring the evolution of humanity from mm. Cro-Magnon era. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember some of the details on that now. Yes. Uh, so eh, this what it, what this may have done was update their information and go, oh, humanity is now no longer on Earth. They are spacefaring. Yes. Interesting. However, you'd think, you know, humanity not as, you know, in our current form, but 50,000 years ago, we were still around. So you would think that maybe the Reapers would leave behind an artifact on a human world, yeah. or maybe they didn't because they were trying to test to see if we were spacefaring yet. Right. Would they detect humans on a different world than Earth? Right, right. Hmm. Yeah, interesting stuff. So anyway, that's a huge mind shattering revelation just from one of the comics that you may or may not have read. But Saren finally snaps, right? He says, I'm an Arterius, but I'm sworn to protect my people. And he calls someone in the military command and declares an unsecured bioweapon emergency because he's finally realizing that his brother's getting played and all of Palavin might be at risk because the entire point was they would the reapers would put these artifacts in the town square and then just slowly one by one convert everyone into reaper thralls mm -hmm. and there was mm -hmm. you know past a certain amount of of population who's been turned you can't stop the tide oh yeah because they're so strong right right it's it's like a virus it's just it, it grows and then it's everywhere yeah yes so so Saren snaps he declares this emergency and he runs back upstairs and the indoctrinated Turians now are restless. I think they're aware that they've been made yeah. and their fate is in, in is in the balance. Or maybe so, they're just hungry. So they, Have, has anybody fed them? You know, maybe they just need to eat. 
their little mandibles. They're hangry. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like that. yeah. Um, so they, they break ranks and then they disobey Desilus. Desilus gives one a direct order and then they disobey him and they smack him to the ground. And this is the first time any of them have, you know, been violent against Desilus, who was parading around as, as their leader. Right. And then Saren, along with other Turian soldiers, tries to block their escape, ultimately opening fire at the so-called Voluvian priests. Right, right. Saren, again tries reasoning with his brother saying that, you know, hey, we need to get out of this temple. This is a nightmare. Let's abandon this whole thing. Desilus doesn't listen. And eventually he is tackled by one of the indoctrinated directly into the artifact. And he makes contact with it. And then he falls after this, you know, big electric eruption. Oof, all the hubris. Yeah. Finally getting, That's getting, a lot of, lot of hubris. Yeah. Mm. And hours later right he wakes up desolus wakes up he's not completely fully zombified so maybe he did get a similar understanding from the beacon that jack did mm -hmm. maybe there's like basically a second elusive man and he's turian <laughs> the, but he the, the elusive turian the elusive turian that wait that's not tim anymore no it's <laughs> tit <laughs> it's, it's tit <laughs> Oh, if it isn't Tim and his counterpart, Tim. <laughs> this was such an intense episode. We were like, I, I made some jokes and some goofs, but for the most part, we stayed on. And then we get tit. <laughs> so, okay, so there is an elusive Turian, probably. He doesn't last long, though, <laughs> okay. because he's he's woken up hours later after this, you know, after being thrown into the, uh, the monolith. And then he hears Saren's voice and he's like, Saren, where are you? And he turns around and Saren is talking to him through a communicator laying on the ground. And Saren has apparently left the temple, sealed it off and fully intends to blow it up with his own brother inside. Mm. And then we, and we get have this image from the comic. Yeah. And so he tells his brother, quote, I'm sorry, brother. I have a duty to Palavin like you do. We all do. Some secrets were meant to stay buried until we're ready to understand them. Saren's final words to his brother are, I will mourn for you and avenge you. Well, the, the scene in the picture for anybody listening is this gigantic explosion. And then Saren, yes. Saren's face like real up close with the light of the explosion like on his face. Yes, he's watching. He's basically arranging for his brother's death. And it looks like he called in an orbital strike or something on the temple. Yeah. Everyone inside is dead. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and, he needed uh, to put an end to it. But I can see why he might also be grumpy about this. Like, this is another reason to just hate everybody. <laughs> right. So this is this is what I was saying when I said that it needed Goyle's explanation to Anderson about, oh, well, he's just pissed off because his brother died in the war. That's not really accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Not. I mean, it kind of is, but not really. Yeah. So, you know, is this Saren's villain origin story? I think kind of because I think it explains why Saren hates humanity. But I, I think he ultimately blames humans for what happened to his brother for. He doesn't take responsibility for making the, the decision to kill his brother. He doesn't blame his brother for what his brother did. Yeah. I think Saren blames humanity 
for having to kill his brother because if you're in if you're Saren in Saren's mind, if humans never colonized Shanxi, maybe we would have never discovered that artifact there, and then we would have never brought it here back to Palavin. We would have never found the artifact under the temple. I'd still have my brother around, you know. Yeah, yeah. it also shows that he's willing to go to very extreme measures to get what he needs done, uh, and. Once once you break that boundary, like I feel like that seal is broken, right? Like extreme measures are now on the table. Um, Yeah. For lack of a better word, Saren lost part of his humanity. Yeah. 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 This was probably the moment like he never seemed like a great guy, but the moments like this push you closer and closer to that edge. And then you go. over. And the crazy part is this is really just half of his villain origin story. What? There's so, more. <laughs> there, but wait, there's but more. Wait. And we are out of time, so we're going to have to cover the other half next week. Awesome. Well, I look forward to it. This has been fun. And uh, thank you for joining us. Chat, thank you for being here. I hope you have enjoyed another episode of the Mass Effect Lorecast. Sam, you have any, anything else going on you want to share before we head out? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm streaming tomorrow from when we're recording this. So every Saturday right on Twitch and uh, you can find me on Twitch and Twitter at in seven the legend streaming more of my personal canon playthrough. I've now made it to Mass Effect Two, finished Mass Effect one. Um, I'm also playing a lot of Baldur's Gate. Um, I'm in act two right now. Nice. And You've gotten further than I have. I haven't I've never finished act one yet. I've restarted it's multiple so times. Good. I've tried playing with other people. I need to get like an actual group together and just play through it. Honestly, I think it's like because we're older, right? And and everyone has different schedules. It yeah. might behoove you to just put your nose down and focus on the one character and just kind of go, just you know, until it. you don't want to go anymore. Yeah. Um, and then do subsequent playthroughs with other people because i don't know i've just i've really put my nose to the grindstone with that game and i love it i mean it just won game of the year and i think for good reason it got like seven awards last night yeah it was it was crazy also uh, i played it a little bit this last week i did part of a charity thing with uh some of the guys from the elder scrolls uh lore cast and the tales of tamriel um we raised a bunch of money it was it was lots of fun um but i played baldur's gate for the charity stream played with Rob the princess from our community. And uh, if you want to go look at the the VOD, the VOD is still up. We created a team of very small people, only gnomes and halflings. uh, And our two characters were based around uh, action, like, uh, you know, movie fight, people so i had chuck gnomus amazing i was chuck gnomus and he was uh what was his character um name another name another like arnold no it wasn't arnold it was uh uh, sylvester stallone uh no it was uh kung fu guy bruce lee bruce lee that's right bruce lee but he was bruce wee because he was a gnome and he was we he's a little uh and so we made monks and he was like a monk barbarian and then we brought two other other characters and we only had small people and it was wonderful um but it, we only got through like four hours because that's as long i as made the a forest gnome bard and he has very magnificent like <laughs> hair you know that one hairstyle kind of looks like the mayor of whoville yeah okay yes <laughs> he has that hair it's uh-huh. black and he's got a black twirly mustache nice and he looks like a real rap scallion right That's but he's a awesome. forest gnome and he's like he's like yay tall and uh i mean i give him a criminal background and now he's a bard and he has like a plus seven to deception dude it's bards, really fun both bards are so good to use in that game especially where all the conversation stuff so that's awesome i'm glad you're having fun with that yeah i need to i need to get into it i really just want to play it with like a full group of like three other people me and like three other people 
and just you know even if it's just like an hour or two at a time a few times a week or whatever i just want to i want to just you know get through it like with a group but uh that, that'll be for another time. If you want to check out my stuff, all, all my stuff's over at robotsradio.net. I do lots of other lore casts, and you're welcome to go check all that stuff out. But uh, we'll be back next week. And Sam, I hope you have fun playing all those games. Chat, we'll see you later. Thanks for being here, everybody. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.